Welcome to Radio 360. This is Michelle Weston with Learning Curves Wellness 2.0. Today I have a guest who has experienced um, chronic conditions as a parent, as a caregiver for her own child. And um, when I fell into the world of integrative medicine and healthcare, I was attracted to patient advocacy first and foremost, because advocacy is about you standing up for what you need. Sometimes you have somebody help you who could be a family member, a caregiver, um, a husband, a child, and you also can hire somebody to be an advocate. When I say advocate in the world of medicine, sometimes it's hard to know when you can push with doctors, with nurses, when you can say, I need more information and you're not overstepping your bounds because information is power. And the more information you have, the better off you do as the patient, as the caregiver, as the parent and so forth. And I want you all to understand being an advocate for yourself doesn't mean you're pushy, doesn't mean you're bossy. It means that you are willing to stand up and say, sometimes, I don't know about this and the way you're explaining it to me, I'm not so sure. And sometimes you have to slow down someone in the healthcare business because that kind of information on a chronic condition or a terminal condition, it comes at you, especially at the beginning, and you're overwhelmed. It is like having a plane fly too close to you and the sound is deafening. And you can't always hear the little things you need to hear. So don't hesitate as my friend Nancy Eisen Roberts hasn't, and I've known her for 30 odd years, and she is an angel and a dear friend, and always is, is very empowering and an advocate for herself, but also for others. Some of you may be this. Some of you may know someone who has been advocating, and it's a challenge to be a caregiver, especially in the role as a parent. So advocating for yourself or a loved one is key for addressing chronic conditions and terminal conditions because you need an ally, a person, your person. You know how we say you found your person, my person? Well, as an advocate, as a parent, and as a spouse, that's your person who will help you navigate through healthcare in chronic and terminal conditions. I've asked Nancy Eisen Roberts to talk about caregiving for a child. So on that note, how are you, Nancy? Thank you, Michelle, for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I always wanted to have you first as someone who was sitting, not as the doctor or the nurse, mm. but as somebody who walked through this, fortunately or unfortunately, with their own child. And you've always been so generous with your information and helping people navigate things. Um, this is more precious and more tender. And I'm still always amazed at how you always surround yourself with people who support you and always find, she, guys, she always finds the glass half full. She is definitely an optimist and I thank God for her optimism because it's important. I like a glass half full too. I'm not a glass half empty. You can't go through a chronic condition on the outside or as the patient with a glass half empty because you're trying to keep that glass full and you're trying to make sure 
that you have what you need. So tell me what happened. So it's very interesting when you say keeping the glass half full because it's true because all you have is hope, right? And you, and in a million years, I would never thought we'd be sitting here talking to Ale about Alexander like this because we just always were so hopeful and we always thought we were going to be a step ahead of everything. But, you know, we just, we do, we do our best and, and, um, you know, medicine can only take us so far, but we just do our best to advocate the best we can and give them the best chance for everything. And so I'm always a cheerleader and, um, and I still am in a different way with him. And so, so Alexander was born with um, cathiole spots on his body at six months of age. And we went to the pediatrician and he said to us, let me send you to a geneticist for some blood work because these cathiole spots could mean something called a disease called neurofibromatosis, NF1. We had never heard about the disease before, but this is one of the symptoms of it. And so we went to a geneticist and we had the, the blood work and the doctor called us and he said, your child does not have NF1. Just kiss him, you know, just go about your normal life. But what I want you to do is every year, I want you to take him to a pediatric um, ophthalmologist and you check for these lish nodes with like little, little marks on the irises because that's also a sign of, of NF. Um, so we thought, okay, we'll do that. He doesn't have it, but yes, let's also be sure along the, along the road. So every single year we went to the, to the dermatologist, the ophthalmologist, excuse me, and he said, there are no lish nodes. So, you know, we were okay. So in a million years, we never thought he was going to have NF1. And when he was um, 18 years old, just three months shy of his 19th birthday, um, he was on a trip to Costa Rica and he came back and he said, mom... I have a lump on my thigh. And I thought, okay, maybe it's a lipoma. Um, I said, okay, we'll, you know, figure it out and we'll get it checked out. And we went to um, get it checked out. And we went to um, a pediatric dermatologist now. He was in, my son, he grew up in New Jersey, but he was in Chicago at the time. And um, we did a... Um, they did a MRI of the, of, the, um, of, the, of the lump, thinking, you know, this lipoma, which is fatty deposit. And we went to see her, and she said, no, this is indeed, it's, um, it's, it's a benign tumor. We thought it was benign tumor, and it's, he does have NF1. We could see amongst in his legs that there were other of these growths. So what NF1 is, they are these benign tumors that grow along your nervous system. So it could be behind your ears, it could be behind your eyes, ocular, it could be in your brain, it could be down your arms, your legs, anywhere where the nervous system is, they like to, you know, that's where they are. So is it, rare? Um, it is about one in 3,000 births. So to me, that wasn't so rare because you think about how many babies are born a day and one in 3,000 <laughs> births are, you know, they have these, that children are born with it. And... A lot of children sadly suffer with it from birth. You know, they, they, these tumors manifest and they can grow on the outside as well, on your face, on your body, on and any, it's just a very, and no two cases are ever alike. So it's just a very interesting uh, manifestation of these, of these tumors. So, um, so, you know, we were kind of blindsided, I should say, because 
in the beginning, the doctor said, look, you can live a, long, a normal life. If anything decides to change or grow or become uncomfortable, let us know. Um, they explained to us that one day when he gets married, he'll have to do in vitro because they can take out the, um, with, with the in vitro, you know, IVF, they can take out the, um, the, the gene. The gene, right. The, right. The, so, and so we're like, okay, so let's go about our normal way. We didn't understand all about what, what NF was because it sounded like, okay, it happens, you know, and we didn't think that anything was going to materialize. We just thought he was going to go on, you know, living his normal life. Um, and so from that day, six months later, this particular tumor, benign tumor, grew into a malignant tumor and so it which is very rare so only 10% of tumors of NF, of any of these nf1 tumors can become malignant so it was a very rare occurrence this this particular one because don't forget this was our first one like we weren't even involved in the disease or knew much more about it because we didn't think you know we thought all these years he didn't have it so it was just like okay well, you know, we're just going to figure out what we need to do. And so um, this particular tumor became malignant and um, it was, you know, we had the biopsy out in Chicago. And um, and he was always active, correct? Yes. He was in boarding school, yes. which he loved. Yes. He loved his friends. He played football, was played on the football. football, right? He was on the football team. He, he So he had a very normal life living with this because we never thought he had them like nothing manifested even though he did have them in his body and we had learned prior that you know genetic testing 20 years ago 21 years ago was very not different. very different than genetic testing now but no one even said to us you know why don't we test again like it was no it was on it was on anyone's so instead on, of just their, their first test when he was a baby right or the cafe or lay right. spots nobody said you know what we should retest this every 24 months mm-hmm every 12 months nobody mentioned that mm -hmm. and do you think that there's that more nf1 cases have shown up because they have more information in oncology what do you what do you, you I, know, do you think it's changed 20 years almost 20 years later well the, the the organization has been around for a very long time it's a very very tricky disease too and they just came out with a medication all these years it took i mean i think one doctor has been involved with with NF for over 40 years, and they just came up with the medication like two or three years ago to start treating um, patients with, um, you know, with, with, the, with the disease. And so, and to help, you know, to help with their symptoms and help, you know, and to help them, um, you know, try to live a more of a normal life. So there is, there are medications out, but with, with the, um, Alexander's tumor was called MPNST, um, which and right so a malignant posterior nerve sheath tumor okay so it was on the outside so this grew to the outside of his body not inside not inside so he did not have all that nerve pain that when that results in when the tumors are down the nervous system his kind of grew to the outside um, but it grew to the size of a um, I would say a grapefruit so. Wow. It was it was very large and um, so but and so we what we're what we realized you know what we're trying to do now is we're trying to do a lot of research into what causes you know what what makes the tumor become malignant um, and so um, 
and as I said, it's a rarity, but he had, you know, most incredible treatment and love and care at um, Memorial of Sloan Kettering. And Memorial Sloan Kettering. And, you know. So you had a great team. We had a phenomenal team. It started with a surgeon, a, a leg surgeon, and he had a, about a 14-inch scar down his, down his leg. And necrosis, which sounds like a really not such a great word, is a wonderful word in, in the medical term because he, had, he responded so well. And they got so much of the tumor out, you know what I'm right. saying? So the, the margins were amazing. Like when I'm learning, you know, so many different terminology, you know, as we went through it. And, and explain what margins mean, because people right. who have dealt with it, right. it would help those who are sort of like margins. Right. So when you have, when you have something with cancer, they take a little extra on, they, they could take a little more, is what I understand, so that, that they can see that it, it that wasn't spreading or they take a little extra around it so that they, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, but it just sounded like that, that his, you know, they, they were able to get like 95% of all of the tumor out, which is in his case like phenomenal because it was so large and so, you know, angry looking. And, um, and margins, think, you guys, of a piece of paper. You know, paper has a margin. You can only go so far. So if doctors are saying, we pretty much took this to the margin and we feel it's above 95% gone, those are really good mm -hmm. statistics. Those are really good diagnosis of saying, we think we've pretty much got it. Right. Yep. And so that was, you know, that was... Um, that was incredible. I mean, and he recovered so well from it too. Like it was just, he had a really great recovery. But sometimes what can happen is when it goes, um, when something is so heated like that and so big, it can't get into the bloodstream. And he had two little spots on his lung. And so, um, and thank goodness though, it was contained. So we were able to, you know, get those, get those out and, you know, and then that was contained. Um, but, and, you know, we, he had taken a gap year from college and then he decided, you know, he was going to go to Syracuse and he goes, you know, mom, I don't know if I want to really want to be a 21 year old, um, a 21 year old freshman in Syracuse because, you know, he likes a little action and you wanted more of a city. So we thought, okay, maybe he's going to go, he decided he wanted to go back to Pitt because he also loved University of Pittsburgh and that's obviously a really fun city. And so, um, um, in so the the surgery and also what was so incredible about Alexander is that his surgery was right in the beginning of COVID. So his leg surgery was March nineteenth of twenty twenty twenty, right when COVID started. So he was just so Herculean because going through all the chemo that he had to take um, even prior to the surgery, and you know he was um, two weeks on, one week off, and for a, a twenty year old going through this and you know, in your good days, you couldn't go anywhere because we were in the middle of COVID. I mean, it was just, it was just incredible, but I have to say. Sorry about that, you guys. Sometimes I set alarms on my phone to remember and you all got to hear the lovely chimes <laughs> that rang for my next appointment later coaching someone. So apologies, this is all new. So I'm going to learn with you guys how to use the technical part of this, which is not my favorite. So you can't be great at everything, Michelle. You, know, you cannot be great at everything. My brother's really good at the technical <laughs> stuff, right? He's a guy. He's right. really good at it. But you know, you you have to just 
go with the flow, you guys. Sometimes you'll hear my dog. Sometimes you could hear Nancy's dog. But, you know, life goes on, and we try to noise cancel as much as we can. But we live in New York City, so bear with us, ladies and gentlemen, that are listening for this. So, Nancy, you were saying... Yeah, so I was saying that um, we were talking about he wanting to go to the University of Pittsburgh now. So um, and you know the, the doctors were so excited for him because he was healing so well. But something that happened, which is again rare, you know, my I, my friend called Alexander an outlier because everything that happened to him was so rare. So this is like the rarest of the rare. And at Sloan Kettering, they have never seen an NF patient who's through the blood that the cancer broke the blood-brain barrier so it went into his brain and so they were all could not get over it because it doesn't this is not the norm this is not the norm this is not the norm so it's just giving me all these reasons to know why certain things had to happen for a reason and he 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 had this and it was it was you know it was it was just just shocking and so and I want to get to the part of the advocacy because now coming as a parent, this is now it's starting to escalate because now it's like, okay, he's not going to college right now. And, and we have COVID. And we have COVID. And, you know, he's trying, I'm trying to give him the most normal life that he has. He's surrounded by so much family and love and um, his sister, Elizabeth. And we, you know, we rented a little house down in New Jersey for that summer when he was, you know, you know, um, Going through chemo, chemo, and, chemo and, and recovering from his leg surgery and his other chest surgery and his lung. And he was just doing so well. And then all of a sudden, you know, he started having some vision problems. And so um, we had the most incredible, and I still keep in touch with the doctor today, uh, Dr. Nelson Moss. Dr. John Healy was his leg surgeon, and he was recommended to Alexander when he was in Chicago at Northwestern. Wow. So he said the best, you know, the best doctor for this particular type of what you have was John Healy. And we worked with Paul Myers. He was our pediatric doctor, cancer specialist, you know, that treated all the, um, you know, treated all of his treatments um, for the chemo. Um, and that was, again, Dr. Myers at um, Sloan Kettering. So um, he, they recommended Dr. Nelson Moss for us um, to do some of the, the brain surgery. And so Again, in the beginning, phenomenal. Like my son was just so remarkable and so strong, and and he just weathered it all. In fact, one of his surgeries, he even walked home from the hospital because we were walking distance of Sloan from Sloan Kettering. Um, but he um, he you know they did some some of the the surgery in the brain and. But we called it like a whack-a-mole. You remember that game, the whack-a-mole, oh, where whack -a -mole. The, you you put you take they take you took some of it out and it grew right back. Popped up again. So it popped up again, and so we they did a certain type of radiation. We did some surgery. We, they were really doing everything. So then we went into um, immunotherapy. You know the Keytrudas, the other ones that you see on the TV that you know that are trying to help different. You know, trying to help things. But again, this was all experimental for NF. Right, and you guys autoimmune diseases mean that your system isn't strong enough and doesn't have enough force to handle um, immunity against the world, against the germs, against all of it. So when you have a weak immune system, which you will see a lot with many chronic conditions, especially neurologically, like MS and Graves, even with things like uh, myasthenia gravis, all of those have this quality where the autoimmune system just 
isn't able to fight as hard as you need to. So you go to someone who's an immunologist, sometimes it's a disease specialist, but what they're great at is to figure out what, what, what kind of immunity can we give him or her? What can we try to build up that system? And there are people, again, who do really well, and then some people just have a challenge with it, that it just doesn't take the way it does with person A, and person B reacts to it differently. Right. And in this case, this was so out of, because this is not for a normal patient, you know, a person with NF1 doesn't always necessarily go this route, but because of the, of the malignancy, we found one study that someone did and they had used one of these drugs. So we were really trying to figure out everything. You know, we were talking to researchers. We, you know, we had a lot of, um, a, you know, we asked for a lot of help. And I think that's something that you've learned as a person, as a parent, like you just have to ask as many people as you know and, and say, do you know someone that knows of this? And, and, and it is amazing when you ask how people come to help and say, you know, call to this doctor or talk to this. And, you know, we spoke to someone and funny, it's coming full circle now, which I'll explain later about this research we're doing for Alexander. And this, this woman, um, you know, spoke almost night and day to my, my ex-husband about Alexander in the evening, like whenever we needed her time, she was there for us to talk things through. And she would help us try to find, you know, maybe suggest different things to Sloan Kettering, which can you want to try this? Because she was in the thick of all the research of it. But um, unfortunately, there is no cure right now for when these, when these, when these particular tumors, especially this MPNST, become malignant. But I didn't know that, and I just knew, we just kept thinking that we were going to be a step ahead of everyone, and if someone had told me that two weeks before um, Alexander passed away, that he was, I would have said, you're crazy, because we were so positive, and we were so in tune that we were just going to keep going, and I, I just, that's how, that's how the way I had to deal with it, it was just have this complete positivity. We were going to be a step ahead. We were going to try another, you know, another, you know, we weren't going to stop until we found something that was going to, you know, impede the growth of it and then um, to give us enough time to, so, you know, to try some other drugs. And so... And what she's talking about is being an advocate, saying, I'm going to advocate for this child, myself, someone else, and I'm going to go out and get as much information, speak to as many people, and that's what advocacy is, is really connecting people and networking yourself to make sure mm -hmm. that you have all that you can. And you have to be a person. If you're a person that's half empty instead of a person that's half filled, I would change my glass because people do sometimes overcome things. You, you, know, you don't know each case, as Nancy said, is itself a case and um, Alexander was a lot like Nancy and so he's a trooper and he'll just keep going right. you know and so but you have to stay in that positive mode as much as you think how do I stay here reaching out to others reaching out to even a husband an ex-husband even her oldest you know her oldest child her daughter and there's strength in numbers and she's right you have to align yourself with people who will help you help, in this case, him. Mm -hmm. And I do think that if it did not break the blood-brain barrier, you know, there would have been other chances, but 
but the problem is is that um, you know, when it goes, something goes into your brain, you, you get a lot of swelling and he had to be on steroids and he did not like steroids and he did not like the effect on him. And so, and so when she says she did, he didn't like the effect, so steroids are great because they take down any inflammation used a great deal with neurological used a great deal with many, but, um, it can make you manic. It can make you impatient. Um, you, you, sometimes you'll raise your voice. Sometimes you will stay, step out of turn. Um, you'll be a little more not yourself and having to monitor yourself that way with steroids is a weird. I mean, this is a kid who's like just turned 20. Like, how do you expect someone going through an adulthood to understand and know how to manage that feeling of mania of, oh my God, too many people around somebody who's on steroids very difficult you know you don't so you don't know you could have no reactions but you also could have that you just don't everything's sort of off yeah. and every sound annoys you and it just bothers you and sometimes it works to take down the swelling but what if it keeps coming back you know that like she was saying a whack-a-mole what if it just keeps popping up right because don't forget he had to have multiple surgeries with trying to keep the you know going through all this so for him, it's like, oh, I have to go on steroids again. And obviously, these are higher doses. This is not, you know, people with COVID were taking steroids to help dry up their nose. And that's fine. There's all different levels of steroids. Yeah, teeny, teeny bit. Right. So this is, imagine steroids on steroids, right? So we are really having higher doses. And what she's saying is steroids at that level, um, they're used for MS. They're used for myasthenia gravis and so forth, along with what she's talking about. Um, they're infused. So it's an infusion. And sometimes um, what we found today is that it is a higher dosage of pills. It actually is better, science has learned, that we can do it with pills as opposed to sticking a needle in someone's arm and having them sit very quietly mm -hmm. at, an off, at, you know, at a doctor's office or at a hospital. So we have gone forward with that and we now can do that. But imagine taking this and then just not feeling the same. Right. And how many times did he have to, to do that? There was like three long rounds of coming off the brain surgery. It's really coming from the brain surgery for the swelling. So, um, but again, when you try all this and you can't control the swelling. And so um, in, in the hospital, I was like, I, I literally saw myself on the ninth floor saying, okay, guys, there's got to be an alternative, right? Because you think there's got to be an alternative to steroids, right? There's got to be some medicine like... I, someone should win the Nobel Peace Prize, right? To give someone else another choice. Because what happens if someone is, you know, sensitive to, to steroids and it's something that it's, you need, you know, you need. So, um, and there was a doctor who just happened to be, you know, on the floor that day and who worked with some, another study. It's like, even if you don't ask, you don't know. And he's like, you know, let's try, you know, let's try this, you know, I have an idea of this other drug that we can try to use to try to help him. Not the Keytruda, that was something else. Um, but for, you know, to, to and, and I, I want to, right, to take down the swelling. And so we, and, and, and my, I remember the nurse came in, she goes, Alexander, he goes, she goes, I know my mom has my back because like I promised him and that, that we were going to weed him, off, weed him off, and we did. We, we were able to do that, and that was a really good thing for him because he just, you know, some people just, you know, don't have that, you know, have a different reaction. Um, but um, what also comes with um, the, the, the um, 
you know, the swelling um, is that, you know, they thought it was the, you know, they thought he was, he started to, you know, lose balance and they thought it was, you know, that disease where the blood pressure goes down. Um, when you, when, right. When you go up, you know, when you get up too fast, I forget what that's called. When you, you, you wait, you know, some people get up so fast, they feel a little dizzy and then, but, um, it was, you know, eventually it was, you know, when we, we were hoping it was what we hope was really nothing, obviously it turned into more than that. And so, um, you know, he had to, uh, you know, go into the, um, the, um, the um, neuro NICU, you know, the neuro, you know, neurology NICU unit, and um, and that's where, you know, again, the most amazing nurses and amazing people that um, you know that surrounded us, and but they were so afraid because um, he was starting getting these pressure waves, like when your when your body, you're, you're, there's nowhere for this pressure to go for the, you know, when everything's in your brain, there's no place to for to release all of the, you know, all of the swelling. Did he and get headaches? Was he just feeling he like had, a bad headache? He had headaches, but then it, it just started becoming more neurological to get the, you know, to get his body would stiffen up to get through these. And you could hear him breathing through the, you know, breathing through the, um, the, uh, that we called them pressure waves. Um, and, you know, but then they were starting to be afraid that, that, you know, that something was going to really happen. Um, and you know, because you, once you're, once it's in your brain, you can have a stroke. Like there's a lot of different things that can happen. It can manifest, and you know, they just wanted him to, you know, for it to be peaceful. And it's also important. It's also really important to remember that doctors taking and swearing the Hippocratic Oath when they become doctors are our advocates. So are nurses. Yeah. Nurses are brilliant and yeah. breathtaking to watch yeah. because. They chose a job where every day they advocate for all their patients and they support parents and, and spouses and friends through that as a patient goes through things. So MSKCC, which is Memorial Sloan Kettering, they're pretty spectacular. Um, wherever you are, folks, you can find teams like this, but look for teams like this because you want advocates around you to help you advocate they will support that right and, and i will and you 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 know you're gonna fight and nancy's been a fighter all the time i know her she also has amazing brothers an incredible mother who i just enjoy going out to lunch with and chatting with that you know she's from pittsburgh uh, from philadelphia in, in pennsylvania and just a special family and if you have that type of family and you're going through this lean mm -hmm. on them lean on them because people are stronger than you think. Mm -hmm. I know how strong Nancy is, but she had to find out how strong she was, and she's still strong. So when Alexander left us, I'm curious, did you use your faith? Did you call upon people from the rabbis, from the cantors, the people that you grew up with or that you now knew to help you through this? It was, um, yeah, obviously it was incredible, the, the love and the support and, um, you know, and also Alexander came to peace with himself, with the rabbis too. This is even before he went into the hospital, like, you know, a couple weeks before when he was getting sicker, but, but we still had no, we still just had such faith that, and such, you know, conviction that we were just going to, you know, I, I am telling you that 
I was, I, in fact, I'll never forget, we're in the, we're in the unit, and, and my mother was wanting to go to Florida that week. And I said to the head, one of the nurses out there, I said, you think it's okay for my mom go to Florida? And she's like, Nancy, I don't think she should go. I think she should really come up here. Like, I was so in my own positive world, right, that that was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even, it wasn't even part of me thinking, like, this is, like, the, the beginning of, of the, you know, of his, of his final few days on this. And it's answer. easier to get from Philadelphia than Florida. Right. But I was, you know, it was, but the, but going back to the advocacy too, the nurse, Sandra, who took care of Alexander when he had his first brain surgery, was the same nurse when we got back to the NICU. How lucky. When she was there for us. And, and the NACU, excuse me, they call it the NACU. And, and she was such a advocate to me and she looked, she called, held my hand and she goes, Nancy, I love your son. I love him to pieces, and I just want you both to know, I just want it to be peaceful for both of you because you don't want anything catastrophic to happen to him. It's already, you know, it's, it's, too, it's, 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 it's you know, it had to be. And you so, have to, this is the time, folks, that you really have to breathe through it. This is when later I'll talk about the stress reduction and how you handle this. How do you breathe through this? How are you mindful of the person Who's going through this? How do you support them, making sure that they stay where they are? You know, Alexander was a fighter, so like his mom, he was fighting. But how do you make sure when you have a nurse who gives you the truth? And I hope for any of you with a chronic condition, whether you're the caregiver or the patient, look for the truth. Don't let them sugarcoat it. Don't let them cover it. Make sure they understand. You want the truth because then you can make decisions as opposed to battle out there not knowing the whole picture. No, it's very true. It's very true. And as hard as the truth is, right, I had, mm -hmm. you have to prepare yourself and you have to, I mean, it was just... And I don't think anyone's ever never. ready. I no. don't, I, I, you know, that's when I, you know, it was... It was COVID and her friends and families, those who could go went, it was a very small group. In fact, his friends from boarding school, many came through. He, had, he was an ally for everyone on the football team, even though he didn't play a lot, a certain position. Alexander was one of the favorites of the coaches yeah. and of the players because he was a cheerleader. He was always yeah. there for everyone. He supported anyone. Yeah. And even though he didn't go onto the field as much as he would like to, when he went onto the field, yeah. everybody was just there with him. So yeah. that was one of those moments where you look at that and you say, how do I, how do you let go? How do you not let go in a sense of they'll disappear, but how do you let go knowing that they have enough information from speaking to someone who's more spiritual and understanding what it looks like Look for those people if you're not religious, if you just believe in, I don't care if you believe in light, if you believe that, you know, in Buddha, believe in Jesus Christ, believe in God, whatever you can use to help strengthen yourself that will help you say, when we leave to eternity, it's okay because we're going to a better place and we want to send those we love off knowing that they'll see their grandparents, knowing that they're going to see other people. Because we're going to be left here. 
And we want to make sure that we always feel connected. That's yes. another thing. Nancy, you and I have talked about that. You have moments when we'll be at lunch and you'll tell me a story about feeling Alexander. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I'm very spiritual and I, I have a, you know, again, the positivity of knowing that he's with me every minute of every day, just in a different way. And I promise that to him. And I knew, and I know he knows that, and he is. And it's just, I still have this, there's such a connection that we have together. You know, I, you know, can't physically touch him, but I feel him. And I, I just, you know, I, I just, I'm, I am very blessed. And I will always be his mom. And I'm very blessed to be his mom. And I'm very lucky. And he was so heroic. Nothing was about him. How are you feeling today, Dr. So-and-so? How are you feeling the names with the nurses? Like, it was never about him. He always had such a positivity himself. It was never like, I'm in pain or this is bothering me. It was always worried about everybody else and how they were doing. And that was just the incredible soul that he had. And um, it just really, he's a remarkable young man. And now he has... Um, as, mentioned, as Michelle mentioned, my brothers, we have 12 great-grandchildren and 13 on the way, and many are named after him, and, and it, there's just so in much Jewish life. tradition, we yes. use the initials of those who have left us, and sometimes you use both initials, sometimes you use one initial from one person and one from the other. It just depends, but it's a way to honor a person. So um, Alexander was very beloved by his cousins and his uncles and so forth. You know, I got to watch the service memorial on Zoom. So Zoom, as we all learned, became something that actually in those moments were so important because I didn't spend a lot of time in New Jersey with Nancy when she got married and she moved out there. We, we had been in New York City together working in fashion and she was in marketing and that's how we met. But the point is, is that to learn about who this young man was from his friends, from his family, you just, you could picture him sort of always hovering around and being okay that I'm going to do it this way and that I will see you later, Mom, in, in spirit, but I will always be around. And you hold someone. Do you hold them in your heart? Do you hold them in your mind? Do you hold them in your soul? It could be all three. It could be one or two. But normally there's something that reminds you. Um, sometimes it's a thing, sometimes it's an act. You know, you'll watch something, you'll go, oh, Alexander would have loved this. I could say about my mother when she left, she would have hated COVID because my mother needed to be with people all the time. And people who are leaving us, they should always leave on their terms. And you prepared him for that. You and Doug prepared him. And Elizabeth, his sister, was very close to him. You know, some some siblings are not close, but your two yeah. are very close. Yeah. No, it's true. And, um, and, you know, for me, you know, your body can't live forever, right? But your soul's immortal. So that's how I see it. He couldn't live to, you know, what he did in his almost 21 years of life. Not many people have done in a, long, in a, in a lifetime with all the things that he did. So he's just, you know. And she's an, not making this up she watched her son choose boarding school because he thought he'd do better that he was a, alexander from my point of view from my watching him grow up he was an old soul he really was an old soul you know and um he sort of 
navigated that way. And he became an Eagle Scout when he was 14. Because he, in order to go to boarding school, his dad said, you have to finish your, your, pro, your Eagle Scout project if you're going to want to go to boarding school. And, you know, looking back, you know, this was his experience. He never got to college, right? He never made it to college. So having that boarding school experience was like, almost like a college experience, well, dorm, yeah, the dorm sure. life and, you know, it, the classes and, you know, it was just, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was. Um, and you still see his, his peers? You still see yes, his... I'm still very close to his friends. I mean, it's. He's part of us. He's in our DNA. Like he's, he's, they, there's so much that he's instilled in so many of his friends and they, they call him A-Rob. That was his, his, his nickname up in boarding school. So instead of A-Rod for Alex Rodriguez, it's A-Rob for Alex Roberts. And so he, that was always his, you know, his nickname up there. So it's just a different walks of life, how, you know, people call him by different names, which is, you know, so adoring. Um, so I know when he left us, um, this, you were looking on how you could support an organization or a group that was addressing this because if it's an adolescent illness, if it's a childhood illness that, that goes into adolescence and so forth, um, those are specific. We're not dealing with, you know, it's different for breast cancer, it's different for, you know, um, for, for pancreatic cancer. They're all different, they're more adult. Um, when it's a child, how do you get people to learn about it so that others um, can can find information if, God forbid, this happened? Yeah. So would you do this mid, mid-September? Right. Sort of right. throw some more knowledge towards people. Well, I... Um there's this wonderful organization that we've became we've come, become very involved with. It's called the Children's Tumor Foundation, CTF, and they work with children that have NF. There's also NF1, NF2, and schwannomatosis. So there's three three different diseases that are under the Children's Tumor Foundation. And so it's CTF.org. Um, yes, I think it's CTF.org. But we started the Alexander Roberts MPNST Research Fund there, so that money that we raised could go right to the research for the MPNST because this organization does all research. So it's, just, it's phenomenal. And um, we're just, I just can't get, I can't say enough about the people that, that are there. And um, so we, you know, going back to my great nieces and nephews, you know, my hardest, one of the hardest things too is that, you know, the, some of the babies now, because they're all six and under, you know, some of the babies that are born after he passed, you know, we'll, we'll know Alexander in a different way. You know, they're not going to physically see him, you know, or, t- you know, hang out with him and, you know, play football with him, but they will know Alexander in a different way. So we started this, um, it was called um, Tee It Up to Cure NF, and it was our first annual mini mini golf event. So Tee It Up. Right, Tee It Up, for, on as, right, on the play on the golf, and Tee It Up to NN, and NF. And um, we had a little mini golf course. We had 18 holes and um, a bounce house and you did in, in outside of Philadelphia, Good. right? And we had face painting and, you know, because it, it was really for my nieces and nephews and their children. I had the mini committee, so all the little kids and their, my nephew and niece's friends are on the mini committee so that every year they can learn about you know, philanthropy and raising money for their cousin and doing good and feeling good, you know, volunteering. For, for others and, you know, giving of yourself. So I just wanted to really instill that in all of the kids. And then this will happen, you know, it'll grow every year with it. So we were, you know, I was just very, very blessed and grateful to have so much love and support there. And um, it was a magnificent night. And, 
truly everyone felt Alexander there with us. Yeah, and you know what? You, um, to be able to teach kids about the importance of giving back, even in the face of something that's tragic, uh, that's terrible, to be able to see the other side of things, folks, is so important. You know, it, you don't know. They fought it, and it could have had another end. And perhaps those of you that are listening may be battling this with your own, and you'll have more information. And time goes on, just as we said about steroids, used to be only infused. Now, the dosages of steroid pills the body can handle that at higher doses and you don't have to sit in a doctor's office or hospital you know being infused you can take it and be at home in your own space and it's a little easier so what's next hmm <laughs> what is next well you know um everyone says to me you know how can you be so strong or how can you do this and i said that you know they should meet your mom <laughs> my mom too is amazing but he lives on through all of us right so that's my, you know, to stay healthy for myself, for my daughter, and for Alexander because I'm the one and all of us who know and love him are keeping his memory alive too because, you know, that's part of it. We all, you know, he's just so, he's just so part of us. So the more that we can do, and I do want to keep creating more research, you know, um, the monies that was raised at the event, they're doing a um, research project on it um, at WashU in St. Louis with Dr. Angie Kirby and they're trying to find a blood test now, a liquid biopsy, it's called a blood test, to detect early, any, any, any cells that are starting to become precancerous wow. in the, for children with NF. Very so exciting. That's a huge, that would be a huge, one of the hugest breakthroughs you know, to happen if now that there could be a blood test to say, because then if there is, then you could start doing some other preventative things with certain medications. You know, we were just blindsided because it just became there's no there was no way to know that it was becoming malignant it just happened sometimes so, you don't you know and and none of this is ever fair it's never right it's not done to someone in particular it just happened and you should remember that things happen you know and it's important to go through your own path and as Nancy just remember you know just reminded us she had to make sure she was healthy and this is a person who plays tennis who loves to you know go out and golf she takes golf lessons and she will continue to do that because that feeds her you know um her attachment to and her rabbis and so forth whatever city she's in they are people that she can draw strength from and staying healthy also means managing yourself, making sure mm. that you're eating mm. right, making sure that you find a way to just chill. Mm. And when you hear the words, folks, meditation, please don't think we're talking about something you know that is formal. You could go out here in New York or wherever you are, go into the park, put on your iPhone, listen to some music, and take a walk so that you can just release some of the stress from being around someone who's battling with a chronic illness. It's so important, you have to do that for yourself. It nourishes yourself. Hearing that a caregiver did that, her family makes sure she does that, her friends do too. We wanna know that Nancy's mm -hmm. taking care of Nancy. 
because Alexander would want that. Right. I know that. And, and Elizabeth definitely <laughs> needs her to do that. She is the spitting yeah. image of her mother, so right. she's quite a beauty. And you want to make sure that you stay healthy and that, you know, you keep fighting the fight, but making sure that others understand that sometimes, sometimes we over, overcome. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to go a different route. I just want to say, too, that um, my friends are so important to me, too. And I wake up every day feeling like I get a lot of strength because I know, even if I don't speak to them, I know that everyone wants the best for us and for Alexander, and we're in their thoughts. And that just gives me inner strength because there's, I'm just surrounded by so much love, and I, it just it fuels me. That's what I say. It fuels me every day, and that's how I can get through the day. And it's a journey, and I ride the waves every day. But somehow you ride them, and you can be sad, and you just ride it, and you come back. And it's, it's incredible what our minds and bodies can do. But like I said, I, you know, he's just so with me, and it's, it's comforting that I know how much he's part of me every moment. And you know what? When people say take a breath, you know what? You can take a breath for you and the person who is not earthbound anymore because they'll feel that. That renews and refreshes you. That lets them know that you're okay because her daughter is in her 20s she's went to UPenn she is brilliant I'm not exaggerating she is working for MX doing something wonderful in a category that she enjoys doing it and we only want the best but starting your life out and having it shift is pretty weird and but Alexander would want you to do what you're doing he would expect it of you and Doug that you would both be allies here to making sure that other parents understand and are asking questions and if they're looking they have some place to go so on this i thank you thank you for having me i love you my friend i love you always it's such many, a great support years. system I, so and, and you guys look to your support system it's so important you know, it, it changes all the time. You may know someone who's doing really, really well with a chronic condition. Um, you may know somebody who is str- struggling, you know, when you end up with neurological conditions. Some people end up in wheelchairs, some in walkers, some with canes, some with walking sticks. And the worst, lying flat in a bed, which we wouldn't wish on our deepest enemy. I would not wish that on anyone. But when people, fight the fight. You want to support them. And Alexander knew and an old soul will help you. So I look forward to Nancy creating more money and raising money because we need money to raise things. We will definitely put up the organizations. We'll give you MSKCC information so you know what's there. If there's anything else Nancy wants me to tell you about in other states, we'll put it up because This show is about living with a chronic condition. And living with one has its highs and lows. And the first person I wanted to interview, as I said when we began this today, is Nancy because I know that she is a positive force and she sees the glass half full. So on that note, I hope you all have a great day. And it's been a pleasure on Radio 360 to bring you Wellness Learning Curves 2.0. Have a great one.